Welcome to Finding My Yum, a sex-positive podcast celebrating all forms of sexual expression. Each week, we bring on a new guest to share their journey. We talk honestly and openly about what they're into and what sex, kinks, love, and more look like in the real world. I'm Jerry Courtney Austin. And I'm Will Lentz. And we are your hosts. Today, we are joined by Nicoletta Heidegger, uh, who is an LMFT sexologist. She is also the host of the podcast Sluts and Scholars. She's back for part two to talk about intimate partner violence or intimate partner terrorism. Um, and so on that, this is our part two of last week's episode where we talked about different types of abuse. So uh, if you haven't listened to that, I would recommend starting with that episode. But um, this really gets into the global implica- implications of uh, intimate partner terrorism, uh, the legal implications and legislation that is is currently being proposed. Um, yeah, and then different resources, uh, specific resources that are available to victims and different ideas of what you can do to help yourself. Um, yeah, so this is just a small scope, but we hope that it provides any kind of solace or a little bit of information for people who are victims, for people who know people who are victims um, and want to help. So, uh, yeah, we hope we hope that this is a little helpful. That <laughs> We do <laughs> hope that it's a little helpful. <laughs> All right. Well, please listen. Um, and, and we would like your feedback if you know any other sources um, or legislation up for um, to be passed. We'd love to hear it. Thank you. So that brings me to uh, part two of this episode uh, where we're going to talk a little bit more about um, like globally what has gone on and sort of the ramifications of particularly quarantine uh, because it's been pretty striking uh, globally like as countries and states in this in this um country shut down there wasn't any preparation so there wasn't any thought put into the fact that domestic violence was going to rise i think that that's just a given when you put people um you know mandate that they have to stay in the same living situation for 24 hours a day it exacerbates problems that already exist um but globally which I think is really interesting is like, you know, all across Europe um, and across the United States, numbers have escalated and they've also escalated because talking about what we talked about in the last episode is that, yes, calling is um, a potential problem because there is no safe space, but also um, courts are closed. And so even getting an opportunity to go to court to get like a divorce or to get a restraining order or any of the uh, the precautions that we do have in place aren't as available. Yeah, or it takes a long time or maybe you've lost your job or been furloughed or laid off or whatever. And so what if you don't have the resources to, you know, get that stuff, but also find a safe place to wait it out during that time where your safety can be guaranteed. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because they've relabeled, not, and I don't know if this is actually a new label, but it's been labeled intimate terrorism um, is like the new term that's coined. And they're actually working on um, different laws that actually codify coercion 
in terms of abuse as opposed to just like a physical violence because I think previous laws were just addressing physical violence and now the legislature is actually incorporating coercion into like the nomenclature so that there is something a little bit more at least that people can grab onto as evidentiary support for um, you know different proceedings but because courts are closed because the the resources are so overstretched because of all the the calls they're just not as available and so I, I guess and I don't know if you if you have strategies because we sort of touched on this but like what do people do like I don't even know what I would do if I was in this situation it it, it feels it feels terrifying and and scary <laughs> It, I mean, it is terrifying and scary. I, before I go into the resources, I just want to like name something that I think is really important that you pointed out. And firstly, I'm I'm grateful for you like teaching me maybe some of the legal stuff because I'm definitely more familiar with like the clinical stuff. Sure. Um, and I think it's it's easy for a lot of us during this time to like put our heads in the sand, absolutely, um, and maybe not look into some of the like legislature that that is happening. Um, so that's that's a good reminder. But even the words we use. I think reflect how our culture and society and legal system handles things. So that's why another reason why I don't like the the term uh, domestic violence because I also think that it reflects like oh this is a problem of the home, not a systemic issue that needs to be taken care of on an economic, on a legal, on an activistic standpoint. And so when we say domestic violence, it just makes me think of like this household thing that stays in the home that's secret that's not talked about and in addition you know it's not always happening in the home and people aren't always living together and and all of that but i i like that there are you know more terms coming out whether it's intimate partner violence or like intimate partner terrorism mm -hmm. or whatever we want to call it um that are expanding it to show that it is a systemic issue that impacts so many areas of our lives not just a domestic private thing that is secret and in the shadows. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah, I I actually hadn't thought about that word choice, but absolutely, it does it does minimize it that word domestic. So, it is nice that it is expanding and especially like even your your use of, you know, intimate partner violence um, that it can occur anywhere and you don't have to be living together. It's not relegated to the home. Um, yeah, thank you for pointing that out. Uh, so resources or, or, or things to do, like actively do if you are in this situation or you, you think that it might be you, um, you know, and you're not sure. Yeah, I mean, I know we talked about maybe some barriers, but um, if you are feeling like, you know, something's going on for you and you're not sure, um, definitely reach out to one of the like 24-7 hotlines. Um, one of those is the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which I think, as Jerry said, is like blowing up a lot more now mm -hmm. with quarantine stuff. Um, I think their phone number is 800-799-7233. Uh, and then there's another organization called RAIN, R-A-I-N-N, -N, the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network. Um, but it's basically anything for like sexual assault. Um, and their phone number is 1-800-656-HOPE. Um, so those are just two, but, you know, you can definitely, like, look in your area. But I would say if you're having trouble, like, calling or talking to somebody, so many people are doing, like, telehealth stuff right now. Mm -hmm. So maybe maybe you can convince whoever you're with, your partner, that you want to do the um, 
you know, the grocery shopping um, or something. And you could go try to buy a burner phone or, you know, even call from your phone. I mean, I think this is tough because it depends how abusive the partner is. If there's someone who's like tracking your calls and stuff, that's where I think the the fear and and the scariness comes in. Well, and Um, I have seen one of the wonderful things I've seen pop up that I've also posted about too is people posting, you know, code words basically for like, ask you know just text me if you need a face mask that I'm making or if you want one sent to you like I can help you know I can call the police um which I think is such an awesome banding of people coming together in support in a way that is protection that is masked in in code exactly so there are people posting on their Facebook saying things like if um if you're struggling with this and like can't use the words because you're afraid of like how your partner or somebody might react or see, um, text me that uh, you want one of the face masks I've been making. Right. Um, and then that's code for, you know, I need to call the cops or there's like levels of what that means. So I would encourage you to post one of, if you're someone who's not struggling with this or can help post that on your social media, say what the codes mean and make sure that like, as many people as possible can maybe see it. Um, and that, you know, that could be helpful, but look, there are things you can do, um, in the moment, obviously in terms of calling and stuff. But to me, this is such a bigger systemic, like I was saying, systemic issue. And so there's like so much more that needs to happen, um, as a culture, like you said, you know, politically, economically, whatever, like, our government didn't even think of the impact Absolutely. that this would have. Or maybe maybe they did and they were like, but, you know, lives are at stake, so it doesn't matter. Sure. Um, so I think there's so much more that needs to be done. Um, but find a way to, like, call and get help so that you can slowly make a safety plan. Is there things, are there things, excuse me, that people who are in this situation can do actively in a moment to de-escalate? Um, or, I mean, I don't even know if there is advice that you can give for something like that, but tools just so that, you know, if it seems like an impossible situation, like little things that can be helpful. Are you saying like de-escalating during a, like a fight or abusive scenario? Yes. That's a tough one because I think it's pretty subjective based on maybe like what the abuse is. Um, I mean, if it's, if it's physical violence, I would say all you can do is, um, you know, try to look up or learn ways to like protect the, you know, main parts of your body. Um, but if somebody is in that space and willing to do that, anything can set them off. Right. Um, so I think that's, what's so frightening and so scary for a lot, for a lot of folks, Um, I would say in terms of emotional stuff, probably the best thing you can do is start working on, on you and your self-esteem. So maybe we can't control or deescalate how somebody else is speaking to you, but what you can control or practice is what you do afterwards and how you talk to yourself and how you either legitimize or delegitimize the thing. So instead of being like, oh, I deserve this or whatever, try to think of other, other ways to challenge that other ways that you know, would, how would you feel if this was happening to a friend? How would you feel if this was happening to you as a child? How would you feel if this was happening to um, somebody that you really love and care about? So I think 
to me, the work comes in with the stuff that you can control. Right. Um, and I also think that's why stuff is magnifying a lot during this time because a lot of people feel helpless and out of control. And so harming someone else is something that an abusive person can control. Totally. Yeah. And if, I think it's... Yeah. No, I was just going to say it's an outlet of internal pain, which it it usually stems from some kind of internal pain. But, um, yeah, it's like punching a punching bag. (laughs) I mean, it doesn't – I yeah. Yes. I also am somebody who sees both survivors and or victims and abusers – And so I have worked on the other side of things, and and this in no way is giving permission to to abusive things, but, um, you know, I do get to see the intergenerational trauma um, that can cause this or where it comes from. And so it's, it's interesting to see and try to find empathy for folks who do get to that space where they do harm people emotionally, physically, um, socially, and... Ooh, it's tough to do, but I also get to see both sides. Yeah, I think one of the beautiful things about being an actor and storytellers is having the permission to go to those spaces and explore those type of characters. And almost all the time, whenever anybody's been talking about like character breakdown or, or dealing with people, you know, it, it always comes from a root of pain and it doesn't justify Jerry, the action that somebody takes but it is it is a systemic issue at that point too and a intergenerational like you were saying historical problem of solving issues internal issues with external violence in whatever way that manifests to be honest i'm also feeling feeling frustrated with myself for not having like a better list of like here's what you can do and I think that comes from a lack of faith in the system um I think you know we were talking about 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 Amy Harwick and um a lot of people do everything that they're supposed to do and the system fails them and shit still happens to them. And so I think I have to admit and be like honest with my own kind of transference around this that I think part of me is a little bit pessimistic about like, okay, here's the stuff that you can do, but also like more shit needs to fucking happen and people need to do more and there needs to be more research, more money, more understanding, more help from, you know, different systems to like really make a difference with this. And so part of me is like still feeling kind of pessimistic and this is an unprecedented time. And so I think we are figuring this out as we as we go. And, you know, what happens at different levels in terms of care, for me, obviously, the level that I focus on is just supporting my clients through that. And so if and when I am able to support people going through that, we're really focusing on kind of building their sense of self, um, building their self-esteem, actually like naming something as abuse and having their own like boundaries and what makes sense. Maybe looking into the past as like where they learned that they deserve to be treated this way um, or where they kind of gave this, you know, permission to be uh, where they, yeah, where they were left feeling vulnerable for this to happen. Um, forgiving themselves for getting involved in it. Um 
and then coming up with a safety plan, a really gradual, um, a really gradual safety plan. Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that in um, your own experience, even as we're talking about this. And, you know, when I approached to, to deal with this topic, part of my ego and, and, and desire is to like solve all the problems, right? And like give everybody. Have you figured it out? Right? Tell me what to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I've even caught myself like, like nervously laughing throughout this and being like, Oh, I got to edit that out. And, and truthfully, like that's just me reacting and being so uncomfortable that like, it's so horrifying and it feels so scary. And I, in such a helpless thing that, I don't know if this can do any good and I don't know if anybody is listening, but like if one person can feel empowered by this or have alternate resources or hear that they're not alone. um, Oh yeah. You have to keep talking about it. I mean, this is abuse lives in the shadows. And so we have to keep talking about it. We have to be vocal when it's, when it's safe, when we can, um, and share this information because that's so I'm not saying like what you're doing isn't no, going to no, be enough I know, I or know. like you know that um making that call isn't going to help you so don't let that deter you but I'm also just acknowledging that like this is coming off of decades and decades of systemic issues and patriarchal shit yeah and so I think it's important to know that all of this makes a difference and there is so much work to be done. done. And wouldn't it be beautiful as we're disintegrating many, um, you know, historical frameworks that we've operated within economically, socially, et cetera, that domestic violence is being brought to the forefront as a major systemic issue that is prevalent, particularly now. And I would love if some major legislation and change were to occur because of this rise and because of the fact that it's globally coming out of the shadows in such a big way. Like, this is not just an American thing. This is not just a California thing. This is not just, you know, one country in Europe. Like, this is a global issue. Um, And another thing that I thought of that... um is helpful is if you're listening and you know somebody who's in a situation, but maybe they're not um, coming to terms with it. Maybe they don't see it. You can also call one of the hotlines um, and be like, this is happening to somebody I, I care about. What do you, you know, here's all the details. What do you suggest? You know, you don't have to give their name. You don't have to give any information. I don't think um, to just say like, here's what's happening. What, what sounds safe? What can I do? Um, yeah, totally. How, how can I support? How can I help? Which I think can be really tough because it may consist of you watching this person stay in a hurtful situation until they're done. Yeah. And truthfully, I've experienced that to some extent. Like, I, you know, I my past relationship, like, I wasn't done until I was done. And it is... Yeah. And it's hard for me now to watch other people in that situation where I'm like, I get it. I get that you have to go on your own journey, but I just want to yank you out and just like give you some perspective that you're a treasure and you deserve the world. But I think that's kind of based on our, our own stuff, right? Yeah. Because it's like, well, I wish somebody had been able to say just the right thing to pull me out. So maybe I can 
pay it forward and like recorrect this and have a corrective experience and blah 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 but like yeah. there's only so much you can do sometimes yeah yeah so I think the moral that I'm taking away from from both of these parts is that to be gentle and um and and forgive yourself and and utilize the resources if you can um yeah and be as safe as possible so thank you for coming for coming on and talking this heavy talk with me but um yeah I'm so grateful I think you're so wonderful and it's so lovely to connect again no thank you for having me and again please you know if you do need the resources like find a way to get access to those hotlines even if you have to ask like a random person at the grocery store to use their phone yeah like find some way to do something I think yes this pandemic has highlighted like a bunch of the fucking shit in the world but it's also highlighted the strength and power of community yes and so I have noticed more people you know even though they're scared of maybe germs in terms of like sharing Mm -hmm. phones or coming up near somebody like people are stepping up to to help and to be creative with helping um and I would love to learn more too so like please if you have other resources that like I missed or uh, that we missed, yeah. like, please send a message to, to Jerry and or me at slutsandscholars at gmail.com um, with some ideas or, like, how this is impacting you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 100% agree. If you know of any additional legislation that is in the works that we can support um, or anything like that that we can get behind, I, I would love to be aware of, of what's going on. Um, how can people find you other than that email? Um. You can find my podcast um, on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars or on Twitter at Slut Scholars or anywhere you get your podcast. Um, or if you want to check out just what I'm doing or hire me as a, as a clinician if you're in California, yeah. um, I'm at NicolettaVHeidegger.com. It's kind of long. I'm not going to go through the spelling. but <laughs> okay, like, we'll put it in the show notes. I'm sure if you like Google it, you'll probably find me. Or join me on Smule yeah. if you want to sing some karaoke. Karaoke! Um, yeah, sure. I think my username is Nikki Von H. <laughs> I love it. I'm definitely going to join. Um, well, you've been a dream. Thank you. Thank you for your time and, and sharing your knowledge and um, just loveliness. Yeah. And this shit was heavy. So like for those of you listening, like please um, do something to give yourself some pleasure or experience some like joy after, you know, sitting with this and thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Agreed. Thank you. Oh boy. Boy, Um, oh boy. Uh, well, thank you so much, Nicoletta. I thoroughly enjoyed reconnecting with you. And, uh, one of the brightest points of just like joy that we talked about was the app Smule, which is a karaoke app. And I have to say that I have gotten on Smule and it is a fucking joy. So please find me. I'm at JerryCA1990 and sing a song with me. Yeah, when I was editing that, I hadn't heard that part yet. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I'll have to try that out or at least like, oh my God. observe. It, it's so funny. Um, it's so fun. I spent like four hours on it the night that she told me about so it. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, as always, please follow us on social media at Finding My Yum Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Um, we post different quotes there and updates and clips. So uh, we love your support and we love to engage and interact with you and slide into our DMs for any kind of uh, episodes that you want to hear, anything like that. We want to talk to you. You can email us at findingmyyum at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you consume your podcasts. And then take that uh, place where you uh, subscribe and, and, and grab a little link and send it to a certain number of friends, of which Jerry's going to tell us right now. 131! 131. We let you off the hook last week with a little, few, <laughs> a little bit fewer. This time we're so doubling now it we're, up. Yeah, so now we're going full strength because I bet you haven't contacted a lot of people. So they want to hear from you they and they want to hear about this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we love you. We'll be back next week. Stay yummy.